my name is Trindy, and welcome to Kids Talk Church History, a one-of-a-kind podcast where kids investigate the history of the church. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Has he kept his promise? How has Jesus built and preserved his church against all odds? Come with us on a trip through church history to find the answer, here on Kids Talk Church History. It's almost Thanksgiving, a time when Americans get together with their families, eat a big meal, and think of all the things that make them feel thankful. Some remember what is considered the first Thanksgiving, a time back in 1621 when a group of English settlers led by William Bradford gave thanks to God for keeping them alive through a difficult winter in their new home of Plymouth, Massachusetts, in spite of bouts of disease and with limited supplies. In fact, half of the people who had left on their ship, the Mayflower, had died. The others had survived thanks to the assistance of the local Native Americans, who had also lost many lives to a deadly disease brought by other Europeans. In 1863, Abraham Lincoln made Thanksgiving an official holiday in the United States to be observed on the last Thursday of every November. Later, Franklin Roosevelt changed it to the fourth Thursday. In this episode of Kids Talk Church History, we are especially curious to know why this group of settlers and others like them decided to come to America. My name is Lucy, and I'm 16. Hi, I'm Linus, and I'm 12. And I am Lucas. I'm 14, and all three of us live in San Diego, California. Now, Lucas, I understand you've done some reading on this subject. Do you know why we call this group of settlers the Pilgrims? Well, I think it was actually Bradford who used that word in 1630. According to the dictionary, a pilgrim is a person who goes on a long journey, usually for religious reasons. I've actually read some stories about the Mayflower and all the problems they had crossing the ocean. I remember one family who had two sons named Love and Wrestling and two daughters named Patience and Fear. I wonder how Love and Wrestling got along. Yeah, the Puritans gave some interesting names to their children. I don't think I'd particularly like to be named Fear. Well, when they used that name, they probably meant fear of God. But Lucas, we've always read that these pilgrims came to America to find religious freedom. But freedom from what? Well, about half of the people who came on the ship with Bradford on the Mayflower were nonconformists, which meant, which means they didn't want to follow the religious rules imposed by the King of England. But actually, by the time they came to America, they had already left England. They had been living in the Netherlands, where they had religious freedom. Coming to America was a way to make a new start and create a new society where everyone tried to live according to the scriptures. But what rules didn't they like? Well, there was the Book of Common Prayer, originally written by Thomas Cranmer. He was a 16th century reformer who was executed for his faith, so his book was generally good. The problem is the English government made it mandatory for all churches. That meant they all had to follow the same structure, the same prayers, the same ceremonies. It would kind of be like having the American president ordering every single church to follow our church bulletin, right? Yes, it would be like asking everyone to follow the same structure we follow in our church. I can't even imagine what that would be like. And actually, even with those who accepted that the king ruled over the Church of England being a common thing at that time, many thought he couldn't just order people to do something that wasn't in the Bible. Well, were there people who disagreed? And if there were, what happened to them? That is what we're going to ask our guest, Reverend Gary Brady, who knows a lot about this subject. He'll join us in a moment. But first of all, we have some questions from three of our listeners. Mackenzie, who's 14, from Kennesaw, Georgia, asked, Did the Puritans who left England have any idea of what to expect, and were they scared? 
And her brother Isaac, who's 16, had a very unusual question. Were there any traitors in their midst? I'm guessing by this, he meant people who reported nonconformist pastors to the authorities. The third question comes from their 10-year-old sister, Autumn, who wondered if the people who came on the Mayflower could have arranged for supplies to be sent from Europe instead of risking starvation. These are all great questions we'll ask Reverend Brady later. But we also have a general question from Edgar, who didn't say where he lives. He asked, if you could go back in time, what date would you choose and who would you want to meet from the Bible? Lucas and Linus, how would you answer this question? Well, that's two questions, actually. Mm -hmm. But for the first one, if I could go back in time, what date? Uh, I'd probably choose 26 or 27 AD at the start of Jesus's ministry. And who would I want to meet from the Bible would obviously be Jesus. But then I could also, uh, after his crucifixion, go around and meet Paul and all the other missionaries of the early church. I don't know the actual date, but I would go back to the time of Noah and I would want to meet Noah and see the ark. I think if I had a choice, I'd choose to go back to creation whenever that is, because no one's sure of the exact date, but I think I'd like to uh, meet Adam and Eve and see how uh, creation played out. Maybe Edgar can write back and give us his answers. And listeners, please continue to send your questions to this email address, questions at kidstalkchurchhistory.org. Right now, we have a few copies of John Owen by Simonetta Carr that talks about what we just covered, and we can send them in to those who write in. We only have a few, so write soon. That's questions at kidstalkchurchhistory.org. You can also find it on our website. And now joining us, as promised, we have Pastor Gary Brady, the pastor of Childs Hill Baptist Church in Northwest London and the author of the book, The Great Ejection, 1662. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It's a wonderful opportunity. Now, Pastor Gary, as you have heard, we've had some questions from our listeners. The first one was, did the Puritans who left England have any idea of what to expect and were they scared? I've got the thought that uh, pilgrims... um, Heading for America had uh, much of an idea at all about what they were letting themselves in for, really. I think uh, things had got to the stage where they felt that, uh, you know, it, it, it would be better to, to seek out a new country and see, what, see how that went uh, than, to, than to remain and to try to struggle with what they were struggling with. They, they, they'd come to the conclusion, I, I think, those, those early pilgrims that you weren't going to reform the church in England. It was a, a great idea, it was a great hope, but it wasn't going to happen. And so the idea of starting out afresh, uh, I think, was uh, was appealing, although I'm sure at the same time daunting. Yeah, so I guess they figured the reward was greater than hmm. the risk they could have. Uh, the second question was, were there any traitors uh, among them in their journey? Now you're, not, you're not catching me on my best subject here, but I've got a feeling there was one man uh, amongst them. Um, I'm going to have to ask somebody else for that story, but uh, yeah. Uh, but I don't. Uh, generally speaking, I don't think uh, there were people that that, that uh, stowed away. Certainly not with the idea of betraying them. But perhaps there was someone who had a different idea of what life was all about. There were one or two, I think, that would fit into that category. But uh, I don't think there was any straight um, plan of that sort. Although, uh, if you then go on. 40-odd years uh, to the time of the Great Ejection, there certainly were uh, people who were, were happy to uh, hand you into the authorities uh, because there was money to be made uh, in that way. And uh, as we know from the Bible, the love of money 
is the root of all kinds of evil, and it certainly was at that time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the last question from our listeners, uh, do you think the people who arrived on the Mayflower could have arranged for supplies to be sent from Europe? Yeah, I think there's somebody's thinking about the modern world rather than uh, the ancient world. Uh, I think the, the, the idea then of uh, supplying from, uh, from old England uh, really wouldn't have been feasible. I'm, I'm not sure uh, the exact uh, time it would take to get across the Atlantic in those days, but uh, I would think... Uh, uh, far too long uh, to make that not that really feasible. They had to, you know, settle down, grow their own food, find their own ways of uh, uh, of supplying uh, their needs. I think that uh, that has to be the the situation. Yeah, that makes sense. So you heard our short explanation of why some Christians decided to leave England during about the 16th and 17th centuries. But hmm. uh, do you have any commentary to add on that subject? Yes, the, it, it is a little bit more mixed than we like to think of it. So, uh, as you said, some went to the Netherlands. Uh, there was more freedom uh, there. Some were quite happy. They stayed in the Netherlands. Some went to America, as we uh, call it today. Uh, some went to America and they came back. <laughs> they, it really wasn't what they were expecting. Uh, so there was uh, quite a bit of variety, uh, all told. But it, uh, it was this... This desire to worship God in freedom, I think, that drove many, many people. And uh, as I'm sure you're very much aware, uh, is at the root then of the, the whole pilgrim story. So your book is entitled The Great Ejection. Now, ejection is a strong word. It makes me think of uh, cars driven by superheroes, and they can eject a person at a push of a button. But who came up with this word to describe what happened in 1662? Yes, I, I tried to uh, find out where that word actually came. Uh, sometimes they said ejection, sometimes they said ejectment, but I think it's the same word, ejection, ejectment. Mm. I, I think it's just one of those accidents of history that uh, the word ejection tends to make us think of a, an ejector seat. I had a wonderful James Bond car as a child and uh, you press the right button and uh, the passenger <laughs> ejected uh, straight out of the car. It simply means to be thrown out. And in 1662, that is exactly what happened. They were literally thrown out of uh, their churches and then the, the, the parsonage then where they lived, they were not allowed to live there. Did, uh, did any of these pastors who got ejected, did they leave England? Yes, well, there were just a few some went to Holland, some went to uh, uh, America, uh, but, but not a lot, not a large number. Most people then, um, well, it all depended uh, how old they were. Some of them were uh, you know, quite elderly, and uh, so they never really preached very much again. Uh, some of them preached in their homes. Some of them did set up uh, churches, but it was mostly in England. Uh, most people... Uh, didn't really move uh, very far. Now, your book includes uh, plenty of moving stories about pastors who had to leave their churches. Uh, could you give us like some examples of that? Maybe um, a, a story about the praying shepherd? Yeah, well, the praying shepherd, now, uh, pe people debate whether this, you know, how much truth is in this and how much not. I would think the core of this uh, would be true. Uh, when those uh, pastors then took the decision that they couldn't uh, carry on with the prayer book. They had to leave the Church of England. 
obviously they needed to live by some means. Uh, some of them became doctors. Uh, some, some of them had their own wealth, not many of them, but some. Uh, some of them became farmers. And there was one particular man, a man uh, by the name of Ince, I-N-C-E, and uh, it became a shepherd then. He began to look after sheep. And so I suppose he, he, he looked rather um, unprepossessing. He, he just looked like an ordinary shepherd. Uh, but there were people then who knew that he was uh, a man of prayer. He was known as uh, Praying Ince. Now, he was working for uh, a gentleman, a lord. And uh, one day the gentleman's uh, wife became seriously ill. And uh, so he sent for the, the local minister, but the local minister uh, had hunting on uh, at that time. He was off hunting, and so he couldn't come, so he said, uh, to this poor woman who was, uh, well, I don't know how serious it was, but uh, uh, she certainly was very unwell. But he, no, no, hunting was more important. And then one of the servants then said, well, there's, there's praying ints, ints the shepherd, he can come and pray. Uh, for, for this poor woman. And that's what happened then. And it was only at that point uh, that uh, uh, Grove, the man's name, Lord Grove, uh, it was only at that point that he realised uh, what he had on his property, that there was a shepherd who, who could pray as well, if not better than any minister he'd met. Uh, and in fact, uh, the story goes that he uh, made efforts then to allow uh, Ince to build a chapel on his land and uh, it became a, a thriving church uh, at the time. So in America, Thanksgiving has become a pretty big holiday, but you live in England. Do you have any similar holidays that have to do with the same time period? I heard someone say, remember, remember the 5th of November, but I'm not sure why. Yeah, now we're aware, uh, as we're aware of all things American uh, by, by, by this stage uh, of Thanksgiving, and it looks a very... Uh, a very uh, wonderful uh, idea, although it's very difficult to see how you have a big celebration with Turkey uh, at the end of November, and then you have another one at Christmas. But there we are. That, that's that's a nice problem to have. Um, the only thing I can think of that is an equivalent to that is what, um, when I was growing up, they called Harvest Festival. Uh, a lot of churches then would uh, take produce then, uh, fruit, vegetables, whatever, ideally grown by yourself, but a lot of it uh, uh, taken from uh, the local store. Uh, and uh, when I say take, I bought at the local store, I should say. Uh, and then uh, there would be a nice display at the front of the chapel, the church, uh, and there would be a harvest sermon. And uh, that, that would be, uh, I suppose, the nearest equivalent to, uh, to a Thanksgiving. And uh, remember, remember the 5th of November, that's to do uh, very much with British history. Uh, there was a man known as... Uh, Guy Fawkes or Guido Fawkes, uh, he and others had this plan to blow up the king. This was James I, uh, who uh, you know the name from the King James Bible, but I don't want you to get uh, uh, the wrong impression of James. I don't think James was uh, was all that good. Uh, I'm not advocating that uh, he should be blown up either, but, uh, but that was the plan. Uh, but they were discovered, and uh, ever after then, uh, people have uh, remembered uh, the, the, the day when he was discovered. Well, thank you very much for all your answers. They really help us to understand what was going on at that time in history. But before you go, we want to ask you two questions we ask every one of our guests. Mm -hmm. The first one is, how did you become interested in church history? 
That's a great question. Now, I, I was very privileged as a child. I grew up uh, on a housing estate where uh, everything well, was 10 years old or younger, really. Uh, the houses had only just been built, the, uh, the shops, the, the whole thing. It's all brand new, except that if you went round the corner from the house where I lived, you came to a building and you knew that the building was put up in 1836 because it said that on the front of the building. And it was also surrounded by a, a graveyard. And uh, I always think it was like a spaceship that sort of landed right in the middle of this uh, housing estate. So, so from the beginning, you know, when I was very young, uh, I found the fact that something so old uh, should be there, still existing. Uh, thank you. That was very interesting. And for the second question, do you have any suggestions for kids like us who want to learn more about church history? Yeah, well, I mean, those, those uh, books by Simonetta Carr that you mentioned in the beginning, I've, uh, I, I, I love those books. Um, I once gave a paper on John Owen, and I, I recommended that that was the best book to read. They're a great place to start. I really think that is. Uh, and I've not been paid to say this. This is my genuine uh, opinion. So uh, just and ask questions, you know. I think that's a good way of uh, learning about, uh, about history and church history if you, if you speak, of course, to Christians. Yeah. Well, Pastor Gary, thank you so much for coming on our show and sharing some of your knowledge about the English nonconformists and those who came to America. They certainly had to make a lot of difficult decisions to get there. Now, our time for this episode is up and we have to say goodbye. Thank you to all who have listened to this discussion. Make sure to visit our website, kidstalkchurchhistory.org. That's where you'll find all of our podcasts, special offers, news, and more. And if you subscribe to our email newsletter, you will have a chance to win a copy of Simonetta Carr's new book, Church History. We promise that we won't give or sell your email address to others. Finally, if you like what you heard, give us a good rating and don't forget to tell your friends where they can find us. Now, in partnership with the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals and on behalf of my co-hosts, Linus and Lucas, I'm Lucy. Thank you for listening to Kids Talk Church History. Thank you.